Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Pentecost and Passover. Today is an awesome day. Today is Graduate Sunday. Today is also Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? You know what I kind of discovered this week? Pentecost Sunday and Graduate Sunday is the same thing. Not because we scheduled it that way here, because God scheduled it that way. So Pentecost Sunday is Graduate Sunday. Is everybody ready to graduate? Awesome. We're going to graduate today. It's going to be so much fun. If you'll turn to Exodus chapter 12, we're going to go way back for this one. I think it's amazing that we have discussions in church about such and such is Pentecostal, and I am not. If you are in a church today, if this is going out on the internet, let me just say, if you're in a church today anywhere, any continent any country, guess what? You're Pentecostal. You are. You may not have maintained some of the attributes that were delivered, released, imparted on that day, but the church you're sitting on in, you're sitting on a church, it's a whole other thing. The, The church you're sitting in is a church that was founded and began on Pentecost. Because that's when the church was founded. And so, if you're in a church today, you are Pentecostal. We'll just have a few different distinctions of our churches, but I believe we all go back to Pentecost, and that's exciting. Notice I said today, Because there are people that sit in churches, but not on this day, that were established before Pentecost. But they don't meet on Sundays. So they meet on different days. So they meet on Saturdays. Anyway, so. Exodus chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt... Sorry for not a lot of preliminaries. We've already had a bunch, and i got to get rolling. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to, to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are to each one take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the numbers of, number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly 
of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water. I just like that because I don't like raw or boiled stuff anyways. I want it on a fire. I made kebabs last night. I like things on fire, all right? And so don't eat it if it's raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Verse 11, now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You've got to get dressed, put your shoes on, and have your staff in your hand before you eat. Because we're going somewhere, right? For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we go back to Exodus. This is the children of Israel getting ready to leave the bondage of Egypt under the leadership of Pharaoh. The, ten, the nine plagues have already come. The tenth plague is on its way. God is going to strike the firstborn of Egypt. Okay? And so he says, kill a Passover lamb, put the blood on the door. This is where we instituted Passover. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are, in fact, unleavened. You ready? For Christ is our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Look at John 1, 29. The next day, this is John the Baptist speaking. He saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is the Passover lamb in the new covenant. Look at 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19. If you address his father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, 
conduct yourselves in fear during your time, during your during the time of your stay on earth. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Verse 19, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. We're flying today. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So Jesus was the spotless lamb who knew all temptation, was tempted in every way, but knew no sin. So he became the Passover lamb. The blood of Jesus is like the lamb in Exodus when the blood was put over the door and it said no plague would befall you. You guys understand that in the garden, Adam and Eve fell and they become subject to a curse. And then Jesus puts the blood, his blood over the door of our heart. And he says, no plague, no disease, no sickness shall befall you. Such a beautiful, beautiful, not only picture, but reality. What's amazing to me is not only did Jesus come to be the spotless, unblemished Passover lamb to guard us and to deliver us out of slavery and bondage and guard us from sickness and disease and oppression, but he did it at the same time. Do you guys understand in Scripture that Mark chapter 14, on the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? Okay? So they are celebrating the Passover feast, and the disciples ask Jesus, where do you want to celebrate or to hold the Passover feast. Now, this is the feast in which Jesus washed his disciples' feet, shared his body and his blood with them through communion, soon after went into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, and he was taken, he was betrayed by Judas and led captive 
to the high priest and to Pilate and eventually crucified. This happened at the Passover. Let me just take you through a little timeline. In the Old Testament, on the day that the Passover lamb was selected, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The Passover lamb was selected and rode into town. The Passover lamb throughout that week was kept without blemish until the day of sacrifice. So the lamb was selected and then it was held without blemish. Jesus, after riding into Jerusalem, is held in a waiting period for his crucifixion. Preparation day, the day that they would begin to prepare the lamb for slaughter, is the day that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, taken prisoner, and Peter denies him three times before the next morning. This is the evening that they would begin to prepare the lamb for slaughter. In the Old Testament, when the faultless lambs are killed and the Passover meal was eaten, is the day that Christ was tried and crucified. There were days following that that were days that you could not work. So the women could not go to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. They could not go till the first day of the week. The first day of the week was a day they celebrated first fruits. So the first day of the week, they celebrated the first fruits of the barley harvest. Christ was resurrected as a first fruit of all of us. And the women arrived at the empty tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. God don't play around. Huh? They kill a lamb. They put blood over the door. That's what sets them free from bondage and guards them against plague and disease and sickness and all those things. 2,000 years later, on the day they're going to celebrate putting the blood of the lamb on the door, Jesus, the spotless, unblemished lamb, shed his blood to deliver us out of bondage and to guard us against all sickness and disease and every plague and calamity that would come down. Your dwelling. Fifty days after this happens, you know what day that is? Pentecost. Do you know what day that was in the Old Testament? Anybody? 
put the blood over the door, led out of Egypt. Fifty days later would institute the beginning celebration of Pentecost. A week of weeks, seven times seven, 49, and a day, a week of weeks, the festival of weeks would happen 50 days later. You know what that day was? They started it in the Old Testament. 50 days after the Passover lamb, the blood was put on the door. They're led out of Egypt. 50 days later, Moses goes on top of Mount Sinai. He gets the Ten Commandments, and he brings them down, and they have now the law. Jesus completely undid the first Passover with his blood. The Holy Spirit completely undid the first Pentecost with his outpouring in the New Testament in the upper room. Nothing new under the sun. Things just get redeemed by the blood. You remember Peter denied Jesus three times when Jesus sees him out on the water? How many times does he ask Peter if he loves him? Three times. God is in the business of undoing things that have been done. He's in the business of making things better that have already been done. That old covenant had glory. We learned about this over the last few weeks. It had glory such as so no one could look on it. And Moses had to hide his face. But the glory that is to come in the new covenant makes the old covenant not worthy to be even mentioned. In the Old Testament, Pentecost was the feast which occurred 50 days after Passover. As the Passover feast celebrated the exodus of the Israelites from slavery of Egypt, so Pentecost celebrates God's gift of the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. You're free. Here's how to live. New Testament, you're free. Here's how to live. Amazingly, one of the customs still remaining until this day on Pentecost is the study of the Torah all night long during the holiday. Across the country, you'll find groups of men studying and discussing Torah throughout the night. Today, free men are discussing the old law to try to figure out how to live. When's the last time we sat around all night? And let the Holy Spirit tell us how to live. Well, I can tell you we did it at the beginning of this year. 24 hours of worship. I don't think once a year is enough, though. Do you? 
Do you see that while on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, men were locked up in upper rooms studying the Torah, but some men got locked up in new in upper rooms waiting, waiting, tearing, waiting for God to pour out his spirit on all flesh, waiting to see their sons and daughters prophesy, waiting to be endued with power from on high so that they would receive power to be witnesses for him in all the world. While some were studying the law, some were waiting for the promise. And today in churches all across America, while some are studying the law, some are waiting for the power to fulfill the promise. Look at John 16, 12 through 15. I have many more things to say to you. This is Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. Some people say, man, I wish I could just live with Jesus. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that you don't live with me anymore. Because I'm limited on what I can say. Because I've got flesh and blood, and you can't get past flesh and blood. You can't get past what your mom did, what your dad did, what your elementary school teacher did, what your Sunday school teacher did. You can't see me rightly, no matter how hard you try. When Jesus went back to his hometown, they were astonished by the power and the authority that he spoke with. They were astonished by the miracles. But then someone spoke up and said, but isn't this Mary's boy? Let's highlight his physical attributes. Let's try to familiarize ourselves with him. Let's try to strip him of his divinity so that we don't have to put so much weight on what he says to us because he's saying some hard stuff. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away because I need to go away so the Holy Spirit can get in you and it can work inside of you. It can work with your mind and your heart, your will, your emotions, so you can no longer just put somebody aside because they're flesh and blood. As a pastor, I know I could walk across these pews. I could hover over this room. And tell you some things, and you'd find a way to not do what I say. Because you'd see me handle a situation wrong sometime. You'd never see Jesus handle a situation wrong, but I'm sure people perceived him to handle some situations wrong. He said, it's important, I got to get away. So you can know what's really going on. John 16, I have many more things to say to you, but man, you just can't hear me. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. I made you free. You're welcome. I did more than lead you out of slavery in Egypt. I delivered you from your personal grave. I've prepared a path of freedom for you that you never again should be led into bondage to anything. I did all that, but it's imperative for you that I go away so that somebody can take you where I can't take you, can speak to you in a way that I can't speak to you, can empower you in a way from the inside out in a way that I can't empower you. So I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit have his turn. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The feast of first fruits was the celebration of the beginning of the barley harvest. That was the day Jesus rose. According to the Old Testament, you would go to the day of the celebration of first fruits, and beginning with that day, you would count off 50 days. The 50th day would be the day of Pentecost. So, first fruits is the beginning of the barley harvest, and Pentecost, the celebration of the beginning of the wheat harvest. Since it was always 50 days after first fruits, and since 50 days equals seven weeks, it always came a week of weeks later. Therefore, they either called it the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost was a pilgrim festival. You know what that means? It was a festival that you were required to leave where you were and go somewhere else. Those 120 in that upper room on the day of Pentecost made a pilgrimage to leave where they were and to go somewhere they had never been. Just so happens when you submit to God and you decide and you give him a big yes and you say, I'll go where you tell me to go and I'll wait where you tell me to wait, he'll be faithful to send what he said he'll send. And you'll find that when you are where he told you to go, waiting on what he told you to wait on, and he sends what he promised to send, you'll walk outside and find that he brought who he needs to bring to receive what he sent. You're not the only one on a pilgrimage. You go on a pilgrimage to where you've ever been because God's bringing a whole bunch of people to a pilgrimage to wait outside your door for you to come outside of your room with what you pilgrimage to get, and he sent it to you to get it to them. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. 
They come out of that upper room. And every people from every place heard them speaking in their own language. We get so tore up about this little part. <laughs> we want to disenfranchise ourselves from Pentecost because of the little tongues part. What was the miracle anyways? If I talk right now and 40 of y'all are from different nations and speak different languages, is the miracle that I spoke your language or the miracle that all of y'all heard the language? Can I speak 40 languages at the same time? Now, granted, there was 120, so one could have been in one language, and one could have been in the other language, one could have been in the other language. Can we just say this? I don't have to know all the answers about how the Holy Spirit works. I just know I want him to be poured out in my life to the fullest measure possible. And I want to be where he calls me to be and do what he leads me to do and find all the truth that he's trying to reveal to me and live in the fullest expression of the kingdom that I possibly can. Can we just say that for heaven's sakes? Can we just say like Romans 12, can we just present our bodies as a living sacrifice and let God consume us with whatever he wants to consume us with? You don't get to present your body and then say, well, I don't want you to burn me that way. I don't want to be consumed that way. Here, I'm a sacrifice. Tie me up, but then let me dictate how you use me. I was going to read Acts chapter 2 for sake of time. Let's bypass that. Let's end it with this. Peter just says, This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I'll pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. If you're so hung up on whether or not you speak in tongues or not, okay. Could you have a vision and tell me about it then? Could you just dream a dream, please? And tell me in whatever language you want to tell me in. Can we forsake everything of the Spirit of God moving and working in our lives today? It's Pentecost. I read this verse over the last few weeks, Galatians 3, 23-29. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. 
Verse 24, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Congratulations. It's graduation Sunday. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Oh, how it must grieve the heart of God when he says that you're no longer Jew nor Greek, but today we got to be Pentecostal or Baptist or Presbyterian or all those things. Why can't we be sons and daughters of God, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to do what he calls us to do, ready to go where he tells us to go, say what he tells us to say? Why can't we be about our father's business instead of building shrines to our distinctions and circling the wagons and saying you're not like us you're different from us who cares today's Pentecost Sunday and every church in the land should be celebrating it We were held in slavery to the law that came on Pentecost Sunday. And now we're free. We're sons. See, when the Spirit of God came, He came in our hearts to have us cry, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit, when it fell on us, it was graduation day. It was a day that we become mature sons and daughters, and we started to make decisions based on who we are and who our dad is and not just what we were dictated to do. And the Holy Spirit helped us discern all of those things. I've got to decide what to cut out again. If you look at Romans 8, and I went so fast today too. I had a realization this past Wednesday night. You know, they struggle to get done on Wednesday nights. Did you know on Wednesday nights we go from 638? Worship is usually done before 7, and they get an hour. I don't get an hour. This all messed up somehow. Why do they get an hour? It's usually 1145 before I start, and y'all are asleep by 1230. I got to hurry. We start having Sunday morning, Sunday afternoons, after lunch. That'd be worse, though. <laughs> I have found restaurants are not busy 
at 1.30 or 2, I'm just saying. I think it's amazing. Some of us are so ready to go. Then when church is over, y'all want to sit around and talk to me for another hour. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to eat. Yes, let's go. You were the one back there looking at your watch, and now you want to sit out here in the foyer and talk to me for an hour. Go eat lunch. <laughs> like over here is Jahan. Rescue me. Get me. <laughs> Nobody's going to talk to me today. <laughs> and I ain't going to complain a bit. <laughs> I'll have to wait longer at La Palma for my seat now if I get there too early. Romans chapter 8. It's so hard for me to just decide what part of Romans chapter 8 to read at any service at any time. I think we could just meet and read Romans 8 every week and go home. Let me just read verse 1 through 11. We'll read it from the Passion Translation. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Happy graduation day. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. If you're trying to fulfill it, you're in a miserable place because human nature hadn't changed. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness clothed with humanity God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin so now every righteous every say every Righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Happy graduation day. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. If you don't ever have peace and you're surrounded by death, you might need to change your mindset. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan. 
and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, you can put strive there, God finds no pleasure. Isn't that frustrating? The harder we strive, the less pleasure he finds in us. With those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you're not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Now Christ lives His life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Let me read that one more time. I don't think some of you heard it. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Acts chapter 7. This is Stephen speaking to the ones who were about to stone him. And he's quoting them to what their excuses are. Our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. Remember, Paul, I counted all at loss. Listen to them. I counted all his worth. I got to tell you what my daddy did. And having received it in their turn, our fathers brought it with, brought it in with Joshua upon possessing the nations whom God drove out before our fathers. Aren't you impressed, Stephen? Until the time of David. David found favor in God's sight and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High, here's his response. However, the Most High does not dwell in house made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house can you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Was it not my hand which made all these things? Listen to verse 51. Taking pride in all they did to strive, taking pride in all they've accomplished, but here's all that really matters. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart. That's beautiful. Thanks for... I didn't want to see it, but thanks for showing me your circumcision. (laughs) 
That's actually not what God was after. Uncircumcised in your heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. I'm afraid as the church founded on the day of Pentecost, we're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in our heart. And we'd rather talk about what mom and dad did, and we'd rather talk about all the accolades that we've obtained, and we'd rather talk about all the buildings we've built, and we are stiff-necked and we're resistant to the Holy Spirit. But here's how simple it is. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are we stiff-necked, uncircumcised in our heart? Know too much for our own good. Think we know everything. So we're not desperate for the Holy Spirit to teach us. They were so stiff-necked and uncircumcised that what Stephen said cut them to the quick and they lashed out and stoned him. There's a lot of lashing out and stoning that's taking place when someone just might humbly submit to somebody, you need the Holy Spirit. A lot of mocking takes place when someone just says, hey, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to graduate. You're 47, and you're still in school. You need to graduate. I don't want you to write another book report. I want you to graduate. I don't want you to tell me how much you studied last week. I want you to think and graduate. Then you can just tell me what the Holy Spirit told you last week. I want to do a couple of things today as we close. It's going to be 1 o'clock. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'm not 100% sure how this is happening. I think I see it right now. At the end of each row, there's baskets that have communion. I want us to walk through today the Passover 
and Pentecost. I invite you to share in Passover, in communion. And then let's take a pilgrimage to Pentecost. Some of you are already freaking out. What in the world is he talking about? Is he going to try to teach us all how to speak in tongues today? <laughs> oh, that it was that easy. It'd be so good. Everybody just give me a few more minutes. Don't give me a few more minutes. You can leave on me. Give the Holy Spirit a few more minutes, will you? Some of you may say, well, you took time. So be it. Forgive me for taking his time, but I believe these next 20 minutes are his time. So let's give him his time. Y'all can be mad at me for the first 20 minutes. Be mad at Paul. He took time today. What's amazing is, listen to this, Jesus is the spotless lamb, the Passover lamb, yet somehow we take 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, where it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in, do, in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgments to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. The Passover lamb came to lead you out of bondage and slavery and protect you against sickness, disease, and plagues. Yet you think that you have to be perfect to receive the Passover lamb. I genuinely believe the proper interpretation of that passage is you got to judge rightly that you're holy holy and completely depraved and destitute and you got to make another judgment that he's holy and completely worthy and if we don't look at him as holy and completely worthy to overcome our holy and complete destitution then his holy and completely worthy can do nothing to affect our complete destitution and so we remain in bondage and we remain sick and we remain susceptible 
to the plague. Because we didn't think it worthy to put the blood on the door. We didn't believe it had the power to watch over and keep us. You got to take it in a worthy manner. You got to believe it's worth. Not the juice and the cracker, but you got to believe in his body and his blood can wash away every one of your sins. And can deliver you from every place of bondage and captivity. So before we take this body and this blood today, can we prepare our hearts in a worthy manner? Looking at ourselves rightly and looking at him rightly. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And we collectively today know that we all, we all were in the same boat. And you should have done away with the whole lot of us. But God, being rich in mercy, sent his son to let his body be broken, to let his blood be spilled out, to wash away. all of my sin to set me free of every place of bondage. So today I want to be free. Today I want to be whole. Today I want to be complete and lacking nothing. And today I believe your body and your blood makes me free, makes me whole, and makes me complete. Can somebody give me one? Now, do you have one? So today, we take this little wafer that represents his body. We say thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for me. And today I take this in remembrance of you, reflecting on my complete and holy unworthiness and your complete and holy ability to compensate for my failures. Take and eat it, Jesus. I thank you for your blood. I thank you for every drop. I thank you for the drops that nobody ever talks about, nobody ever thinks about. I thank you for the drops that probably spilled between Gethsemane and wherever they were holding you captive. I thank you for the drops that took place by some 
overzealous soldier that probably smacks you just on the way there. And your suffering begin before we even realize it in Scripture. I thank you for every drop that was shed when they smote you with rods and mocked you and told, told you to guess who hit you. I thank you for every drop that came out with every pluck of your beard. Thank you for the streams that poured down when they put the crown of thorns on your head. I thank you for the unfathomable amount of blood that came as they whipped you and beat you with whips with pieces of metal and shards of glass and all kinds of things to where you were unrecognizable. I thank you for every drop that poured out as they nailed your hands, nailed your feet. I thank you for every drop that poured out mixed with water as they thrust a spear into your side. Instead of breaking your legs to fulfill prophecy that no bone would be broken. I thank you for every drop. And I thank you for what every drop means to me. I thank you for every sickness that you destroyed. I thank you for every disease that you conquered. I thank you for every place of infirmity and every place of bondage that you drove out of the bodies of your people through the blood that you shed. Thank you, Jesus. Today, we take in remembrance of you this juice and symbolic of your blood. Take, drink, We've put the offering buckets back. If you'll pass them to keep it from spilling. Put your trash in them. Prayer team, if you'll come to the front, please. Prayer team, if you'll come to the front quickly. You guys stand up with us this morning.
Anybody want to make a pilgrimage to Pentecost today? Want to make a pilgrimage to the fullness of the promise today? Want to graduate today? How cool would that be? <laughs> be 50 years old and tell everybody, man, we had graduation Sunday last week at church and I graduated. What are you saying? What am I supposed to do? What's supposed to happen? What do you want to see? What, what is what? Uh, nothing. I don't have any idea. Just. They didn't have any idea either. When they went in a room and tarried. Waited on the promise. They didn't know it was going to come like cloven tongues of fire and rest on each of them. They didn't know that. If they told them that, none of them would have went. Just who wants it all? I want the fullness of the promise. It's for you and your sons and your daughters and as many who are far off as many the Lord of God shall call what do you what's the difficult thing we got to do if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him who wants to make a pilgrimage to Pentecost today who wants to make a pilgrimage to the promise today would you step out of your seat and make a pilgrimage? Would you step out of your seat and make a pilgrimage? Man, I've been here before. Well, who wants to go somewhere you've never been before? How, who wants to go someplace you've never been before? Well, I've done this before. I've done that before. I've been here before. I think I have everything you're talking about. I don't have everything I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about yet. I want to make a pilgrimage. That means I want to leave where I'm at and go where I've never been. I don't even know where it is. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know what it sounds like. And I don't even care anymore. I'm just ready for the fullness of promise. Would you make a pilgrimage today? Would you leave where you are and go where you've never been today? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the fullness of the Holy Spirit if you ask? Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus. Bathe us in your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
Today, this Pentecost Sunday, we graduate from everything we think we know and we submit ourselves to the fullness of the promise. Come, Lord Jesus, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, while men are sitting up all night studying the Torah, we are making a pilgrimage, pilgrimage to promise, presenting ourselves before you, a reasonable sacrifice. Fill us, overflow us with all of yourself, with all of who you are. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, fill us with your power, God. Make us a sign. Make us a wonder. Right there in your seat, will you make a pilgrimage? Right there in your seat, will you make a pilgrimage? Make a pilgrimage in your heart? God, shift my heart, change my heart, change my mind, shift my focus, make me more aware, make me more available, make me more hungry, God, I'm not hungry. Make me hungry. Many times that's been my prayer. God, I'm not even hungry. Will you make me hungry? He's been faithful to make me hungry when I'm not hungry. To make me thirsty when I'm not thirsty.
Come and move Here as in heaven 
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.